I am so excited about this. I want to welcome you to the Purpose Project Podcast. During our time together, I will teach you how to pray, how to intentionally develop intimacy with your Creator, and challenge you to discover and embrace your God-ordained purposes. I am your host, Margie Florent. My prayer for you today is that you will be empowered and strengthened in the Word of God to move forward into your destiny. We're going to continue our study today on the importance of secret prayer in the life of the ministry leader, which would also include the importance of those of you who feel the call of God into the ministry to prepare yourselves in the place of prayer. Um, By way of review, we talked about what God had spoke to Jeremiah in chapter 2, and he was speaking to the priests, um, to the rulers, to the shepherds, to the prophets, and in verse 13, we found out that God said in his word that my people have forsaken me, they have become cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. We found out that God loves us with an everlasting love and that he desires to have intimate fellowship and time with us. And I believe it grieves the heart of God when his people forsake him and turn away from him and forget their first love, which is Jesus. And I sense in my spirit that God is calling leadership back into intimate fellowship with him. And that's the purpose of this message. So God was saying, my people have forsaken me. And as a result of that, he said, then you have become cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. We found out in our prior teaching that a cistern is an artificial reservoir used for storing liquids. And you and I are containers of the presence of God. We are containers of the anointing of God. And when we neglect our time with him in prayer, what happens is we begin to dry up and we lose our effectiveness. Um, We found out that the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches and the lusts of other things can enter in and choke. We know that scripture says the word of God, but that can also happen in our prayer lives. Um, especially those of us who are leaders and ministers, we especially have to be careful because we always have people pulling on us. We always are being told everyone's problems and we're getting inboxes and emails and text messages and prayer requests. And if we don't stay built up by spending time in the presence of God, um, we will become, like the Bible says, these broken cisterns that can hold no water. And again, we will lose our effectiveness. So we have to be careful that we don't allow these things to cause our uh, effectiveness to become unfruitful. We found out in our last session that the cares of the, of the ministry can come upon us daily. And again, we need to make sure prayer is the priority of our day. There'll be many things pulling on us, but prayer must be the priority of our day. Um, the disciples and the leaders of the early church Uh, understood the value and the necessity of secret prayer because I believe the disciples, you know, when they walked with Jesus, they not only saw that he was a man of prayer himself, 
but they saw how when he ministered to the multitudes, he always came back with them and spent intimate time alone with them. And the things that the crowds couldn't understand because they weren't ready for it, Jesus was able to expound or explain things to his disciples when he spent time alone with them. Uh, we also heard uh, in our last session that the apostles, they were busy, busy, busy with helping the widows and there was a business that they had going and they were serving tables and they realized that they were entering into a new phase of ministry and therefore they saw that it was important for them to hire people or to get people to help them in the administration of this business. And they said right out of their own mouths, they said we should give ourselves continually to the word of God and prayer. They understood that that was, that was, the, necess that was the necessary thing that they needed to do. Um, we found out that we shouldn't just pray or study just to minister to the people. And we've all done it. We've all done it. So don't tell me you haven't done it. I've done it. You've done it. We all have done it. But we can't continue to do that and be effective leaders and ministers. We have got to have our own revelation of God, our own intimate time with God, our own understanding of God, just like Moses did. The Bible says Moses knew God face to face as a man would speak to his friend. Moses was a great leader and his understanding of God increased as he uh, saw how God kept his word, as he learned about who God's character was, and as well as as he spent time in the presence of his father God. Um, we found out that secret prayer is the place where the leader becomes intimate with God, and we, we looked at three examples. My favorite example is found out of Philippians chapter 3, verse 10, specifically out of the Amplified, and this was Paul's desire. And I believe as leaders, this needs to be each and every one of our desire. And his desire was that I may know him. Actually, he said, my determined purpose. He was determined to be close to God. He said, my determined purpose is that I may know him that I may know God, that I may know Jesus, that I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him. Notice it's a progression, just like the life of Moses. He started out in fear, but by the end of his life, he had progressively come to know God, and he went from not wanting to see God's face to having a face-to-face -face relationship, and then ultimately at the end of his life, his legacy was that there was not a prophet, no, not in Israel, that knew God face to face. Yes, he had signs. Yes, he had wonders. Yes, he had all the miracles. But his primary legacy was that he knew God face to face. And I believe as leaders, that should be our primary focus. Just like the Apostle Paul said here, he said, my determined purpose is that I may know him. His purpose wasn't writing two-thirds of the New Testament. His purpose wasn't preaching the gospel. His purpose wasn't meeting the needs of the people, although he did that. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't do that. 
But he said here, my determined purpose is that I may know him. And I believe we need to guard our anointings. We need to guard our hearts. We need to make sure nothing separates us from the love of God and the knowledge of his love. We need to be jealous of our time. I know for me personally, I have people that want to meet with me, want to spend time with me, want to counsel with me. And to be honest, I'm not a pastor. That's not my calling. But if I'm not careful, I'll allow other things to creep in. And then the next thing you know, I'm not spending time with God. I'm not having that intimate time with him. And I become unfruitful. I start to become frustrated. I start to become like the scripture says, a broken cistern that can hold no water. I find that when I'm speaking or I'm teaching, I find that my messages don't have that punch. My messages don't have that anointing like it should. And so therefore I know I just got to get back into the place of prayer. Prayer must be the priority of our day. So Paul said, my determined purpose. And I, I keep getting stuck on this word determined. You have to be determined that prayer is going to be the priority of your day. You have to make a decision because there will always be things that will try to pull on you, that will try to rob you of your time. And sometimes, my friends, it's just well-meaning people, you know, just people that mean well, that have needs, they're desperate, you know, desperate people needing desperate answers, but you've got to guard that time with God. You've got to be jealous of that time with God. Paul said, my determined purpose, don't ever let anything take you away from your first priority, and that is to spend time in the presence of God. And we said it before, we'll say it again, that in Revelations chapter two, God was speaking to the church at Ephesus. And Ephesus had a lot of revelation, and Ephesus had a, a, a lot of knowledge of the scriptures. It was one of the most mature churches at that time. And what did God say to the church at Ephesus? It actually reminds me of where the church is today. We have all the teaching, we have all the CDs, we have internet access, we know a lot of the scriptures, but what did God say to the church at Ephesus? He said, I know your works, I've seen your patience, I see how you've built my kingdom, but he goes on and he says, but you have left your first love. My friends, let your determined purpose be that I may know him, that I'm not going to allow anything to separate me from God's love. I'm not going to let anything keep me from maintaining that intimacy with my God. We said in our last session, I'm going to say it again, it's just like in a marriage. We can get busy, 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 busy with all the things of daily life. As a married couple, that once you have kids, there's even more things that may distract you. But if you don't have those date nights, and if you don't spend that time alone, and if you don't communicate, uh, and when I say communication, I'm talking about heartfelt communication. I'm talking about heart to heart, spirit to spirit, where you open up to one another and you're real with one another. That's what intimacy is. Intimacy is opening up and being real with one another. Well, the same thing holds true in the presence of God. You know, let me tell you something. You're no more righteous you know, as a leader of a mega church than you were the day you got saved. 
there's, we're all the same. It's all the same God. It's all exactly the same righteousness, you know, but we need to be intimate with God. And that means we shouldn't hide from him. We shouldn't play games with him. We shouldn't even say, well, you know, uh, I, I had a great anointing on that service. I must be okay with God. Well, you know as well as I do that there's times we could just flow in our gifting and flow in that, that five-fold ministry gifting, and it may have nothing to do with our intimacy with God and our relationship with Him. We're just flowing out of our, our gifting, and you can do that for a while. And there were people in days of old that did that for a while, and some were even in sin and doing things that they ought not to do, and then when they, when they would get up and minister, the gifts would continue to flow. Well, well, that's because the gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. When God calls you, he equips you, he gives you the grace to do what he's called you to do, and the gifts and the callings are without repentance. So for a season, you know, you can get away with that, but eventually it will catch up with you. And the, the higher you go in, in, in responsibility, the greater the warfare you are going to have. And so therefore, we need to make sure that we run into the presence of God, hide under the shadow of the Almighty, spend time with Him, and allow Him to strengthen us. Like the scripture says, strengthening us with might by His Spirit in the inner man. We are what we are by the grace of God. And there is no other reason we are what we are. The reason we can stand in the offices and the callings and do the things that we're doing is because of the measure of the grace of God that is on our lives. It is not by might. It is not by power. It is by my spirit, says the Lord. It's all God. And therefore, it's, it's important for us to maintain our first love. I'm going to continue to say this until I'm released. I am determined not to let anything keep me from my time alone with Jesus. I recently released a book called The Prayer Habit. And in the book, The Prayer Habit, I especially love this book because it's my third book and it's a book that I can give my neighbors and my friends and the trainers at the gym and the lady that owns the jewelry store. And it's a very relatable book. And in this book, I teach about the prayer habit and how to develop intimacy with God and, and, and step by step. And in this book, there was something that I put in there that I said, we should, we should schedule time with God. Put it in your calendar. You know, just like we have nail appointments or we have hair appointments or we have to get our car fixed. We, you set an appointment. Make an appointment with God. The best time to pray, especially for those of us in ministry and in, in, in leadership, is really, and I've, I've tried everything else and I think you would agree, is really in the morning. First thing in the morning is really the best time to pray because you wake up in the morning, and I'm speaking to those of you who are new in leadership or you're going to be there someday. You know, the best time to pray is really first thing in the morning because what happens is, you wake up 
and you know you don't have a lot of things clouding your mind you're able to think clearly and and those of us who are in fivefold ministry we understand we're purpose driven we think eat breathe breathe god we have ideas we have all these things that we feel called to do you know there's just so much going on inside of us well when you wake up in the morning those are the things that that are rising up and 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 the best time to pray is really first thing in the morning and if you find that that you know you're waking up in the middle of the night frequently i would get up out of that bed and i would go find a quiet place and i would spend time with god because there's something he wants to do in you he wants to birth some new things in you and the bible says shall i bring you to the point of birth and shut up the womb I believe that there's many ministers, ministries, and leaders right in the moment and the time that we're living in that God wants to do a new thing. And unless we spend time with Him, unless we give ourselves over to Him in prayer, those things that He has desires to birth in us will not happen. He wants to birth some new things in you. And if you're waking up in the middle of the night, I would strongly encourage you to get up out of the bed, go into a quiet room and start praying. Now, those of us who pray in tongues, you, we understand that when we don't know how to pray as we ought, but the Spirit Himself makes intercession according to the mind, the will, and the purpose of God. We can pray in tongues when we don't know what this is. What is this new thing you want to do in me, God? What is this new, you know, uh, burden that I have? You don't understand. So the best way to pray is really in other tongues. You know, the Apostle Paul wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. And what did the Apostle Paul say? He said, I thank my God I speak in tongues more than you all. As ministers and as leaders, the more we pray in tongues and pray in the Spirit, the more it opens us up to the gifts of the Spirit to be more in manifestation. And it more, the more it just, it causes us to be in a different place. Praying in tongues is a powerful weapon. And it's a weapon of our warfare that I would encourage those of you in ministry to practice daily. Before I was ever in full-time ministry, I was talking about this in our previous session, I was like Joshua. I worked for ministers, I worked for leaders, and, and, and I was always watching them, but I was also spending time in prayer. I didn't know everything that God had for me. I didn't under, even understand the call of God I had on my life because some, you know, the Bible says we know in part, we prophesy in part. We don't understand everything that God has for us. We just sense within us a sense of purpose and destiny. And, and, and sometimes, you know, it's confusing to the mind, but you have understanding in your spirit, if you know what I'm talking about. And so as a young girl, 18, 19, 20, I prepared myself by going to Bible school, I was getting all this teaching from the Word of God, but I also did, I had a hunger and a desire for more of God, and that's when I found myself 
just wanting to pray. And so I would go into a prayer closet, a literal closet. I made it a prayer closet, but it was a literal closet like the Bible talks about. And we'll read that in a moment. And I would just pray in tongues. I didn't know what I was praying about. I didn't understand the burden of my heart. I didn't understand everything that God had for me, but I knew I had to pray. And I think those of you that are listening to this right now, you're hearing something in your spirit. You know you have got to pray. You know that there's something coming up the road ahead. Well, prayer opens up the door for God to work. So you've got to yield over to the spirit of prayer. The Bible talks about the spirit of grace and supplication. It has been shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Spirit. So stir it up. Stir up that spirit of prayer. You don't understand everything. So begin to pray. You know, pray in the Holy Ghost. And that's what I did as a young minister. I hung around the leadership. I actually cleaned the houses of a lot of ministers and I was by God grace to be around them. And I learned a lot by just watching. I learned a lot by just observing, you know, and, 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 and what I would do is I just started to pray and I would walk the floors when I'd get home from working for them. And I just pray in tongues. I didn't know what I was praying about, but I knew something was coming up the road ahead. You don't know what it is. I'm going to tell you, there is something coming up the road for you ahead. Get into the place of prayer and begin to pray it out. For years, as I worked with these ministers, worked in the ministry of helps, worked in the church, cleaned their houses, did their laundry, I would go home and pray and pray and I'd pray and I'd pray and I kept praying and I kept praying and I kept praying and I prayed in tongues, prayed in English, but prayed mostly in tongues because again, like we said, you don't always know what to pray. You don't really know what it is, what you feel on the inside. And I'd pray in the Holy Ghost, I'd pray in the Holy Ghost, I'd pray in the Holy Ghost. And then when God called me to the East Coast, to begin full-time ministry in 1981, because of all the prayers, all the intercessions, all that preparation in prayer, I want you to hear that, preparation in prayer, all that prayer. When I stepped on the East Coast, sure, I had a couple of open doors. Things were opening up here and there. But when I stepped on the East Coast, specifically in 1981, one door after another, after another, after another, after another began to open up. God said in his word, I have set before you an open door and no man can shut it. And when you spent time preparing yourself as a budding leader in prayer and you continue in prayer, the Bible says that he will go before you and he will prepare the way. He will make the crooked ways straight and the rough places plain. And by the time you get right to that point of birth, so to speak, or right to that open door that's about to open, you will have been prepared in prayer. Hopefully you've been studying your Bible or went to Bible school, but that door will open to you of its own accord. But the work was done first of all in prayer and you did it. You did it by the Holy Spirit within you did it. Remember, 
the, the apostle Paul said, I will pray. I will pray with the spirit. I will pray with the understanding also. By an act of our will, we have to pray or we can pray. So we yield ourselves over and we pray. I'm convinced. And the doors just began to open and I went here, there, everywhere. I was the first woman in countless pulpits on the East Coast. Didn't really think anything of it because I knew that I was what I was by the grace of God. And most of the time when I got up to speak, I was scared Okay, scared because I relied on the Holy Spirit to help me. But as I continued in my ministry, people would say to me, well, you know, how did all those doors open for you? Like they think like, you know, you just wave a magic wand and, you know, these doors will just open. And I would say to them, I'd say, you know what I did? This is what I did. Follow me as I follow Christ, the Apostle Paul said. What I did was I just prayed a lot. I'm, I prayed a lot. I prayed and prepared the way for years, year after year after year, until one day it was the time of birth and I was released to go into full-time ministry. I really sense in my heart that there's someone listening and probably many of you, you feel called into the ministry. Let me just explain something you, to you. I heard Kenneth E. Hagan say one time. He said, some people live and die and never enter into the first phase of their ministry. I decided I wasn't going to be that person because I want my life to count. I want to be everything God has called me to be. Like I said, did I understand everything? Don't understand at all. As a matter of fact, if I knew some things I, back then that I'd be doing today, uh, it's a good thing I didn't know because then I probably would have really been scared, even more scared than I was in my early days of ministry. But he said some people live and die and never enter into the first phase of their ministry. I decided I'm not going to be that person. I decided, and like the Apostle Paul, I was determined, I'm going to be what God has called me to be. I'm going to be everything he's called me to be. So what does that mean? It simply means this. Spend time in prayer. Prayer prepared the way for for, for me personally, I noticed it was prayer that prepared the way. You know, the Bible says, God said in his word, that unless the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. I wanted the Lord to build the house. I don't want man to be in anything that I'm doing, including myself. And see, prayer is the key that unlocks the doors for those of you that are called into the ministry. It's going to come by depending on God, by spending time in his presence. And it's not going to be by might, not going to be by programs. It's going to be by his spirit. And so I would encourage you to spend time in the presence of God. And, and, and you know what, don't, you know, unless the Lord build a house, they labor in vain that build it. Don't be building your ministry on hype, on programs, on marketing. I know that God uses these things. I understand that we have to be relevant to the world, but don't allow these things to build your ministry. You allow God to build your ministry because when God builds your ministry and you step into it, 
it'll, you'll not only be ready and prepared, well, you'll think you're ready, but in actuality, you never really feel ready, but God will know when you're ready and he'll put you in to the ministry. But if you build your own ministry and you're building it on hype and marketing and all kinds of things, you know, to promote yourself, when you get in there, you'll be fine for a while, but I'm telling you, there will be a great fall. So Paul, let's get back to our scripture. Paul said, my determined purpose is what? What was his purpose? That I may know him. And let that be our legacy as ministers and leaders. That we were a people that knew God face to face. He said that I may be progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him. You know what I love about God? I love that there's no height and there's no depth of the knowledge of the love of God. Just and, and God is love, so love is God, so it's the same thing. Just when we think we've got, you know, a little corner on God and we got him all figured out, then he just imparts another revelation of who he is to us. And that's what I love about that. And that's what I loved about the Apostle Paul. You think about him. He wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. And at the end of his life, he said, you know what? This is my purpose. My purpose is I just want to know Jesus. And yeah, it's just as simple as that. When we keep our priorities right, we will flourish. The Bible says, you know, you'll be planted in the house of the Lord and you will flourish in the courts of our God. When we keep our priorities right, right and we keep Jesus first and our hearts right before God as ministers and as leaders we will continue to flourish and you know flourishing in the world's way is not the same as flourishing in God's way some things in ministry and in building the churches just take time I like what I heard one minister say when I was in Bible school he said slow growth is good growth Take your time. God knows when you're ready to step into the things he has called you to do. There's always that time of transition, but he knows when you're ready to step into those things he has called you to do. So let's be like Paul. Let this be our prayer. Lord, that we may know you, that we may become deeply and intimately acquainted with you. We defined intimacy and basically intimacy out of Webster's is close personal relations involving warm friendship <laughs> or a personally close or familiar association, private or closely personal, an association, knowledge, or understanding arising from close personal connection or familiar experience. I want to be connected to God. How about you? Let's go on. We talked about Moses, that Moses was a leader who had intimacy with God and I love this, that he started out being really afraid of God. And in the end, he came out with one of the greatest legacies. And that was that there wasn't a prophet like him in all the world that knew God face to face. And I also enjoy the fact that Moses didn't burn out at the end of his life. I mean, you think about all the stuff he went through and all the hell he went through, all the things people put him through. But at the end of his life, you know, his eyes were not dim. He hadn't lost his vigor. He lived till he was 120 years old. But I believe it was because he was intimate with God. We found out about David. The Bible says he was a man after my own heart. Did, did uh, uh, David and Moses have issues? They had issues. But their 
their, their, their heart was right before God. And I believe sometimes we disqualify men and women leaders because they have issues. There's one thing to have an issue that's unrepented of and another thing to have an issue that a minister or a leader has repented of and has moved on. In the church, you know, I, sometimes we're the only ones that bury our dead. I believe that we need to restore ministers and leaders that have fallen. We need to restore them and, and we need to help them and we and God can put them back into the ministry. No questions asked, hands down. He will move them and put them back in ministry. But David did have his own issues as we all know. But the Bible says, and this was his legacy, that he was a man after my own heart. How, how would you like God to say that about you? That this is my servant Moses. You know, he has a heart after me. And then David, Margie, or whatever your name is, she was a woman who had a heart after me. When I enter into heaven, I want God to say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the kingdom. But I also want him to say, Margie, my servant Margie, she has a heart after me. She was a woman after my own heart. That's what I believe God wants each and every one of us to have as our legacy. I don't care how big your church is. I don't care how big your ministry is. Let's start right from the basics. Let's maintain our first love with Jesus Christ. So God desires to be intimate with you. Let's look at Matthew chapter 6. We read this in our last session, but I'm going to read it again. Um, Matthew chapter 6, verse 5, And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites are, for they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Surely I say unto you, they have their reward. But when you pray, now he's not just talking to our congregants, he's talking to you and I. And when you pray, go into your room, find a quiet place. And let me just tell you, I can tell you by experience, those of you that are budding ministers, those of you that have been in ministry for a while, you could understand this. I can't pray in my office, okay? Because I step into my office and I'm thinking about, you know, I'm thinking about all the work that has to be done and the letters that need to go out and I'm thinking about all these natural things. Find a quiet room that's your space Something that you can walk into and have the peace of God. A place where you find rest. Do you remember what Moses said? He said, Lord, I want to see your glory. And God said to Moses, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. So find a room where you can go into and find that rest. Where you're resting from your own labors. Where you're ceasing from your own labors. Where you're entering into the rest of God. Find that place. You may have to make a place. And for me, sometimes I change it up. It used to be my, my office downstairs till I started thinking too much. Then I went into, I have a pottery studio, and I was up in my pottery studio, and that was my place where I was meeting with God. But then once my pots started to appear on, the, on, on my shelves, because I'm a potter, I make pots, then I was focusing too much on the pots. So that was a distraction. So then I had to find another place where I could get quiet, where I would tune out any distractions, and I would focus in on Jesus. So that's a good lesson to learn, especially those of you that are budding ministers. 
He says, when you have shut your door, pray to your father, which is in the secret place. And your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. I love the fact that God hears me when I pray. When you pray, God hears you. And the Bible says he not only hears you, but he is going to reward you openly. Now, this is where we left off in our last session. What are the rewards that can come to a ministry leader as they spend time in the place of prayer? We said, first of all, those of you that are budding leaders, you're going to be prepared, you're gonna be ready, and when you step into that open door, you will have the confidence and the boldness to do what God has called you to do. But what are some of the other rewards that we can receive as ministry leaders? First of all, first and foremost, I believe that one of the greatest rewards is we will have friendship with God. Number two, another reward is you will have a greater anointing, listen, and you will be ministering out of your overflow and not out of your reserve. Very important. Number three, the Bible says his presence will go with you it's somewhere in Exodus. He said that to, Jer uh, to um, Moses and you will have rest. Number four, here's another reward. We already said it. You will cease from your own works. Number five, you will have more manifestations of the gifts of the Spirit. Kenneth E. Hagen once said, and he said it in his book, Why Tongues, he said, I have found in my own life, the more I pray and worship God in tongues, the more the manifestations of the gifts of the Spirit I have. So, the more you pray, the more you pray in tongues, the more you worship, the more you spend time in the presence of God, the more the gifts of the Spirit will, through the, through the unction, will, will flow out of you. It'll increase your capacity, is what I'm trying to say, for the gifts of the Spirit to be more and more in manifestation. And isn't that what we desire to do? We desire to minister to people, not by our own might, so to speak. We desire to minister to them supernaturally. We desire to minister and pastor our people supernaturally. When you know some things that can cloud your ability to effectively minister to them at times. But how about when you have the gifts of the Spirit and you're flowing in the gifts of the Spirit and you're ministering to them supernaturally. So when you pray, it opens up the door for more of the gifts to be in manifestation. And what is another reward? Well, there's a scripture in 2 Chronicles 26, verse 4 and 5. We're not going to look at it. But the Bible says concerning Uzziah that as long as he sought the Lord, God made him to prosper. Now, true prosperity is not just uh, money, um, but prosperity is all-inclusive. It's emotional well-being. It's your family and your house being in order. It, it, it encompasses all these things. As long as he sought the Lord, God made him to prosper. And I just want to put this out here before we close. When speaking of prosperity, churches who, that are necessarily 15,000 in comparison to a church of 500, in the realm of God, one church isn't more successful than another church. They're all successful. 
everyone has a different calling. Everyone has a different function. Every one of us have our own ministries. So don't judge yourself by what somebody else is doing. Be yourself. Just be what God has called you to do. Do what God has called you to do. And he will prosper everything that you set your hand to do. Amen. So we're going to go ahead and close in prayer. I want to pray for those of you who are new, who sense a call of God on your life. And I'm going to believe God with you that God is going to anoint you with fresh oil. As we approach this teaching today, I kept sensing in my spirit a scripture out of the book of Psalms, and it's Psalms 92 verse 10. I would encourage you to look it up, and that scripture says, My horn shall you exalt like the horn of a unicorn. I will be anointed with fresh oil. So I want to pray, first of all, for the those of you that are called into the ministry that are still praying and working through the forming process of what God has called you to do. And I also want to pray for ministry leaders who are listening right now who are burned out, who have grown weary and well-doing. I believe that God can redeem the time. I believe that God can take whatever's caused the burnout in your life, and I believe he can redeem the time he can make the crooked way straight for you, the rough places plain. He can correct some things. And I believe he could just take away that yoke and that burden. And I believe God can change things. Listen, shall a nation be born at once? When Zion travailed, she brought forth her children. There are things that can suddenly happen in your life that can turn some things around. And I'm going to believe God for that as we pray. Why don't you just close your eyes right now where you are? And I want you to close your eyes and I want you to look at me and I want you to close your eyes and I want you to open your heart up to God and don't be afraid of God. Open your heart up to God and just say this with me. Say, Lord, not my will. Nope, I don't want my will, Lord, not my will. Your will be done in my life. Say that. Say, I choose you, and I turn away from all the distractions that have kept me from intimacy with you. And today, this day, I make a decision that I'm going to spend quality time with you alone in the secret place. And say this with me, and say, and that is my determined purpose. Uh, now I'm going to pray. Father, I thank you for those that have listened to this teaching. I thank you that your word and your spirit, they agree. I thank you, Lord, that you have gone forth and your word has not returned void, but it's produced something in the hearts and in the lives of those who have listened. I pray in the name of Jesus that you would anoint these leaders with fresh oil. There you go. Just let his presence engulf you. I pray that you'd anoint them with fresh oil, and I pray for the budding leaders. Father God, you know that I believe that spiritual things are transferable. As I speak these words, I thank you, Father. They're not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but a demonstration of your spirit that you will impart unto these budding leaders 
the wisdom that they need to fulfill their ministries. In Jesus' name, God bless you. Thank you for listening to the Purpose Project podcast. For more content, video, and teachings like this, visit margieflorent.org.